0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at tiaa.org/promises
1: I have some incredible news. My second book, How To Have Difficult Conversations About Race, is now the number one new release in its category on Amazon. I'm so excited, so excited for this, because we've put a lot of work into it, and this was risky, because as a lawyer who's focusing on negotiation and conflict resolution, talking about race seems, for many, to be outside of the scope of what I usually do. But again, how are we defining negotiation? We define negotiation as anytime you're having a conversation and somebody in the conversation wants something. And as the podcast is titled, Negotiate Anything, we can negotiate anything. And in my years of doing uh, all of this work in the professional world, difficult conversations about race is something that comes up over and over and over again in the workplace. And there isn't really a, a solid resource out there that blends the fundamentals of negotiation and conflict resolution and effective communication with this particular topic. So it's risky. It is risky to venture in this way, but I'm really excited and encouraged by this early result. So this is not just a win for me. This is a win for you too, because you are part of this tribe. And so a quick note about the book. Who did I write this for? I I wrote this for the person who is passionate about changing the world and their organizations for the better. The leader who leads a diverse team and the professional who wants to learn how to overcome the hidden barriers that make it tough to connect with people with a different background. So whether you consider yourself an ally or just want to avoid making a critical mistake When discussing race, this book is for you. And for you as a podcast listener, I'm making a direct request. After six years and over 600 episodes of Negotiate Anything, I'm asking for your support in this endeavor to make the world a better place. Our goal of the American Negotiation Institute is to change the world, and this book plays a critical role in making that happen, and we would love to have your support. We have the links in the description of this episode so you can get your copy of How to Have Difficult Conversations About Race.
2: Thank you so much, Kwame. I'm, I'm excited to be here.
1: Yes, we are excited to have you, my friend. So how about you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do?
2: Perfect. So my name is Greg Scott. I'm the co-director of the Ralph and Lucy Shea Sales Center here at Ohio University. We're an undergraduate sales program, the largest in the country in terms of selective sales programs, with about 600 undergraduate students all learning skills in sales. Um, Our goal and mission really is to um, help undergraduates at Ohio University um, gain a skill set that is uh, very, very marketable um, and ultimately find jobs. We have 100 percent job placement of our senior class by time of graduation.
1: Wow. Okay, so Greg, how do you get better? <laughs> You're at 100%. That's incredible. <laughs>
2: uh, you know, there's always people that, that need it. You know, at the end of the day, the, the beautiful thing about a university is every four or so years, if you do your job right four years, um, you've got a whole other group of people uh, coming into the university. So we've been around since 1997. We were one of the really first three university sales programs um, in the country. And so what we've really figured out over our basically 25 years of history is how do you scale? Um, sales education. And also, honestly, how do you make sales and really an interesting opportunity for an 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old um, and, and get them interested to actually learn the skill set and, and the tools to um, ultimately hopefully better themselves and, and the world around them?
1: This is great. And now... Let's, I I want to give you an opportunity to sell us all on sales. Okay. (laughs) And so when you think about sales as a skill, not just for people who want to actually go into sales and they see themselves having a career in sales going down the road, but people who their, their job title might not include sales, but they have to Mm -hmm. sell every day. So sell us on the importance of sales skills.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and it's something that it's it's no secret. I, I, I start really every semester, especially with, with newer students that you're not going to offend me. In fact, um, I'd rather we get all the stereotypes of sales out of the way. Uh, so, you know, we we typically start with, you know, when you hear the word sales, what do you think of, right? And inevitably, you hear things like, you know, sleazy, pushy, um, unethical, you, you know, you're, you're going to hear basically the worst version of, of you know, the, the case, if you will. Um, and then we usually ask ask the question that okay, when you think of the word service, what do you think about? And you think about helpful. Um, you think about somebody who's you know trying to to help a customer, help a client, help people. Um, you think about you know somebody who's asking questions, who's being empathetic, right? And that's really where for us as a program, what we think about is um, servant selling, right? In the idea that yeah, can you have a a very successful career and and make you know a, a really healthy living? Selling absolutely you can. Um, but if you start with that idea of I'm just here to make money, then yeah, you're, you're probably going to do some pretty unethical, some some pretty bad things. Rather, if you start with the idea that, hey, I'm here to help people. That's what I want to do. That's, that's really why I'm here. Um, that's what a salesperson inherently should be doing is helping them, helping a customer, helping somebody discover problems, find a solution and, and ultimately push forward. Um, that's really where I, I think that we start seeing um, the light bulbs kind of click on, you know, to your point we're always selling, you know, whether you want to be a salesperson or not, you know, if you go through a job interview process and, and there's interviews, it's a sales call, you know, realistically, it's a sales call for yourself, but you're still having that conversation and, and you're still following the process. It's, it's interesting. You know, one of the things that recently we took over um, in the sales program was um, enrollment, uh, basically recruiting for undergraduate admissions here within the College of Business. And, you know, we, we started really with the, the mindset of, hey, it's, it's a sales call. You know, when, when you're sitting down and meeting with a 17 year old high school student, um, their family, their friends, you know, maybe aunt, uncle, you know, guardian, grandparent, whoever it may be. Um, ultimately you're having a sales conversation. Um, you're trying to assess, hey, what are you looking for in a university? What are you looking for in a business school education? What are you looking for those pieces? And then ultimately by asking those questions, you can identify what are the value propositions? What are the, the areas that, you can actually deliver um, for for you know the the student or their decision making unit. And so that's really where for us we think about, hey, how can you really apply the sales process? Um, whether your title has sales in it or not, you know, whether you consider yourself a salesperson or not, um, we really feel like the skills of being able to ask really good questions to identify what's most important. Um, that that skill is not going away. If anything, it's become more and more prevalent and and important um, because it's it's one of the areas that realistically you know ai and and other technologies can't really automate away very well you know it's it's that human connection it's the emotional connection it's being able to have those conversations um that we really feel like is is fairly future proof
1: yeah, you're spot on, and th- and that's one of the things when you think about the uh, the Turing test in artificial intelligence. Yeah. It can the computer be smart enough to trick a human that it is not yeah. a computer, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Still haven't figured that one out, which is great because uh, you're right. Ultimately, it's job security, your yeah. humanity, and and putting skills behind your humanity is the thing that ensures your viability in the the professional world. So, yeah. very well said and critical. And the and the reality is too, because we're all selling in different ways. And I think if you bring that healthy mentality around selling, and then empower people to realize that selling is not a bad word, and they are selling any every day, so you might as well learn how to do it well. I think that's really powerful, and you're putting the students in a good place to succeed in the long term.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It, it really is critical, and you know the the proof's in the pudding. You know, most of our we we really operate the program on a corporate partnership model, so um, we we self fund via basically organizations that see the value in recruiting um, from a, a talent pool of really um, high caliber students and, and students that really have a desire to go into sales. Um, we, we fund the model that way. But realistically, most of our partnerships, um, they're long-term partnerships, right? These are companies that have worked with us for 10 plus years um, because they say, hey, look, your students outperform, you know, they they really are the ones that they're coming into these positions and um, they're, they're doing incredibly well. And then they're progressing up and, um, you know, they're, they're becoming now future leaders of the organization. So um, it, it's a really nice model for everyone. It, it means it helps the students of Ohio University obviously get great jobs um, and it helps the, the employers of um, Ohio and, and all over um, realistically have a, a really strong talent pool year over year.
1: This is great. And uh, you know, it, it's funny because for me as the, the CEO here, recognizing that we're growing our sales team and recognizing how difficult it is to uh <laughs> yeah. to grow the sales team, it's it's challenging. So I, I'm seeing the the purpose behind Shane making sure that you got yeah. on the show and, and talk to <laughs> <me>. <laughs> this, is, this is really great. And I hope this this helps other people too recognize, yeah. oh, there is a pipeline that we can tap into for really ethical but also yeah. ethical and effective salespeople. This is, a, it's a great partnership. And I think the thing that's just fascinating to me, just on the on side is just that it's not that prevalent in the industry. Like, why yeah. is this not more prevalent? <laughs> it makes yeah. so much sense because you've been yeah. leading and you've been leading for a long time, but people haven't been trying to replicate that. What do you think is the disconnect between traditional, education and the reality that practical sales skills are important does your company invest in professional development training if you believe that your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop all you need to do is go to our website fill out the workshop request form and then we'll set up a time to chat these workshops are completely customizable and we've done them all around the country
0: Imagine this, higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.
2: Yeah, you know, you're spot on, Kwame, in the sense that I think the higher education industry as a whole, really, um, it's been behind, especially within the sales space. Um, You know, if you look at the broader landscape, depending on how you measure it, there's about 4,000 institutions of higher education in the U.S., um. Those are you know g- groups that basically de- uh, degree grants. Um, of those, there's only two under 250 that really have any degree of sales curriculum. Um, you know, I'm talking even just a class or two classes, let alone you know a full on program. You know, the, the numbers of even the 200 or so. If you look at um, kind of a multi-class program where it's a certificate model or a minor or a major. Um, you know, all of those programs, it's fewer than hundred, you know, realistically. And so from that standpoint, you know, there's definitely a major mismatch in terms of the marketplace when you consider about 50% of all college grads will start in sales or a selling related career. And so, you know, there's a lot of institutions that, you know, candidly, um, they are behind in that sense. Um, we're seeing more shifts happen and I think that's healthy and good. You know, I think honestly what, what's happening is, the the consumer of higher education, right? So your traditional higher ed, you know, customer is a 17, 18 year old, give or take, um, they're becoming more educated, I think, in the sense that they they're becoming a more educated consumer of the service itself. You know, it used to be where, you know, how did you actually you know quote unquote buy higher education? You looked at a booklet, maybe you talked to a guidance counselor, and you know maybe you toured the campus, and that's about it. You know now, you know you you can actually really connect on a much deeper level. You know you can reach out to people on social media and and see you know see the campus, get their opinions of it. You can get a much deeper view, and I think you know programs like ours that really provide a um, a, a jumping off point for a career that is a high earning career. Um, it, it definitely is attractive now you know, one of the reasons why we're seeing the, the challenges, honestly, in the marketplace is, you know, it, it's hard to find people that want to teach sales. Um, in all honesty, there, there's really a mismatch in terms of, you know, your, your two sources of talent. You know, if you're a really good salesperson, chances are you're, you're making a pretty good living. And, and while higher education, I love it, is is great. You sometimes aren't necessarily making the, the same degree of earning that you could make um, out there selling. So, you know, you're more practitioner-professor, um, is harder to find. Now, on the flip side, you have what are called tenure track professors. So, typically, that's kind of like a PhD or somebody with a terminal degree. Um, you know, those folks. There are certainly PhDs in typically marketing strategy that have sales focused. There just aren't that many of them. And, and honestly, there's only a few campuses in the country that you could actually get a PhD with a a sales marketing focus um, that that is that attractive. And so, you know, you have kind of these this issue of Even if a university is forward thinking and wants to, you know, I would say shift away from maybe the more um, pure liberal arts focus towards a more practical skill set focus or at least uh, add that on. Um, It's hard to find people to actually teach that in a way that is effective um, and honestly, in a way that connects and and attracts students to um, to the program. That makes a
1: lot of sense. And I can see the challenges, but also the, I can see the opportunities for the people who yeah. can manage to do it well. Like, like you and your program, you've managed to yeah. do it well and you've taken advantage of that. So that's, it's really impressive. And one of the things that we've talked, we talked about in our little pre-interview chat too, is yeah. the fact that the dynamics of sales are changing. Yeah. And so what may have worked uh, five, 10 years ago, it's not working the same way now. So can you tell us a bit more about those changes?
2: Absolutely. yeah. I think when you really look at the broader sales landscape, you're seeing um, consultative sales approaches, relationship based sales approaches um, really you know becoming the the go-to or or the king. Um, you know ultimately, what we're really seeing is if it was able to be um, automated, it probably was automated the way, you know, and that's really where you started seeing you know your more transactional sales um, you know approaches or or industries um realistically don't have nearly the same degree of demand of salespeople they, they would traditionally have, right? You know, realistically kind of the the order taker, if you will, um is going away because it's it's just inefficient. You know, paying somebody to sit, you know, and, and wait for a phone call to place an order is, you know, not necessarily that efficient when you can, you know, set up a Shopify for what, hundred bucks a month and you have a really nice website and you know you're good. Um, you know, what isn't going away and really, if anything, is, is becoming even more prevalent is um, a consultative seller, you know, somebody who's leading with insight, somebody who, you know, sees the, the overall marketplace, really becomes an expert in their, in their sector, in their industry, um, and is able to provide value to their customers and clients. Um, in, in ways that aren't just what the product itself is even focused in on, but in ways that you know are truly kind of a, a business advisor or a trusted advisor. Um, you know what we've really seen, and I think that's really the, the culmination of why, for some of the audience that that knows the Challenger Sale, um, you know that book came out in, uh, but but now it's close to ten years old. Um, and I think the the area that we've we've seen um, really take off within that in that book is the idea of insight selling. So the idea of you know, you don't just go to your your customer client with this idea of, you know, hey, here's here's what I have. What do you want to buy? Right? You really go with the idea of, um, we're going to do market research. We're going to look for ways that we can provide value to you. Um, maybe not even just with the product or service, but it, tangential to it. Right? Um, you know, I think that you're starting to see even industries that have traditionally been commodity based industries shifting much more towards. Are there uh, additional services that we could offer, right? Um, there's this, uh, this concept of servitization um, within marketing. So the idea of, and, and you're seeing it in a, in a bunch of the more even traditional manufacturing industries, um, you know, selling basically add-on services, added-on data services um, into their actual core product. You know, I, I think about, you know, like a, a Rolls-Royce engine um, for planes. You know, they're now selling major data packages along with the the engines themselves. Um, and and that really comes out of the fact of hey you know we want to protect the um, protect our our lead but it's not just on the product side it's on hey what else can we actually help provide our customers with so um, that's really one area where I think um, we're seeing more and more of of that demand um, of really organizations that hire salespeople that can ask great questions and, and can actually listen uh, to to the answers to those great questions and and use use those answers um, to to help ultimately everyone involved in in the the sales process.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. And it really helps to identify why it's so important to stay up on your training, whether it's sales or negotiations, because things change. We we're living in a dynamic world, but a lot of our education is static. So yeah. most people are either undereducated or completely uneducated when it comes yeah. to their specific field. So we yeah. just happen upon a career in sales or happen upon a career in procurement, you know, and then now it's like, oh, I'm negotiating or selling for a living. Never got training, but I'll learn on the fly. That's good enough, yeah. right? You know, yeah. that's what you want the pilot to say too. It's like, oh.
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. So it makes sense. we have to constantly yeah. update these skills. And so when you think about the uh, the people who are out there. Say, listen, thanks, Greg. This is cute and everything. This newfangled new school approach to selling. I was doing Challenger. I've been making hundreds of thousands of dollars. Why do I need to change what What is the risk? so what what would you say to that person who's who's kind of stuck in their ways of doing selling yeah. the old way?
2: Yeah, you know I, I think that there's really that idea of you know we, we have we have choices right? It really, at any given time, you have an inflection point. you know you have the opportunity to say, hey, you know, do you want to stay the status quo or do you want to make a change? And if you stay the status quo, ultimately, what we know is you're not really staying the status quo. You're actually declining relative to the people who say, take it all turn path. And so realistically, you know, I, I hear this sometimes from um typically more older older school sellers, if you will, you know, folks that say, hey, I've been doing this for twenty years, thirty years. you know, I, I don't need to change. Somebody else needs to change, right? I hear that a lot from especially managers, leaders um as they were recruiting, especially millennials. um yeah, I'm millennial myself, but, um, you know, I, I would hear a lot of, you know, these millennials need to understand, you know, that the world isn't like how they think it is, and, and they need to adapt to us and make those changes. And, you know, certainly the, there's there's a kernel of truth there as well. I'm, I'm not going to completely discount the critique, but I also really have heard a lot around, you know, look... The the younger workforces they want different things you know and in some cases in all honesty it's it's to the company's benefit of what they want um, you know but it, it does require the idea of you you're, you will have to make some changes you know I really think about it as if you want to take the status quo approach then you're you're declining because someone else is out there and and they are making changes you know it's it's the same idea of when you think about kind of the post mortems of these giant corp corporations these S and P five hundred companies that ultimately they they wake up one day and it's like the startup has eaten their lunch. Um, and they're like, oh, what was me? How could this possibly happen? It's like, well, it, it, it didn't happen overnight, honestly. It, it it happened off of a bunch of small decisions, a bunch of small choices around, you know, we don't want to adapt. We don't want to change. We don't want to continuously improve. And um, that's really where I, I think that, you know, honestly, to to some extent, a lot of, you know, to our earlier point, a lot of the the institutions of higher education have taken more of the status quo approach. Um, I think the the organizations that have not, you know, the colleges and universities that haven't, you know, honestly you the proofs in the pudding, you can you can take a look at the enrollment levels. Um and and you can see that, you know, a lot of the universities that have made adaptations and changed the way they have taught what they're teaching um are, are more successful because, you know, your your customers and clients aren't dumb, you know, and and you know, you're you're really not gonna get away with, you know, just say, hey, you know, this is how it always is, so just just trust me. Um, you know, I, I think that that's a big area where, you know, for us, we're we're seeing more and more of that idea of, um, you know, dividends because we made changes and made choices a few years ago. And, and the program just continues to grow because of because of those choices.
1: Yeah, that, that's great. I think that's a fantastic answer because you're right. Everything changes. And if you're just staying stagnant, you are slipping behind. When you think about the like who is on the uh, the Fortune 500 list. 20 years ago. It looks very different from what it looks like now. And those people thought they were rock solid. And now they're they're slipping behind if they still exist. You know, yeah. so, so that's legit. And one of the things that you mentioned earlier was um, in our pre-interview was talking about the value of uh, diversity in sales. And I thought that was really interesting because yeah. when you think about it in the business world, especially in sales, we're, we're just focused on the numbers. It's, hey, listen, <laughs> yeah. if it makes dollars, it makes sense. Right. And so the question is, does diversity make sense in the sales space?
2: No, absolutely. And, and I it, it's a it's a big passion, honestly, for our program. Um, we were really, um, I, I would say, at the forefront within the sales program space of actually having we have both a what we call um, a student director. So we have uh, 28 different student leaders within the program. So, um, again, we're all about development, ca- continuous improvement. So every single year we have um, new students come in and, and help us lead the program. Um, but we also have a faculty director of diversity, equity, inclusion as well. Um, all really focused in on um, number one how do we attract the the most diverse set of students um, in really every respect as a program um, you know we are um, really trying to be the the biggest tent possible because we really believe that um, the, the skills of sales are beneficial no matter what you want to do um, and where you come from um, but moreover you know to your point absolutely the dollars and cents matter and you know I think that's something where for a lot of organizations, you know, um, you know, the reason to do diversity, equity, inclusion, sure, it, it's absolutely the right thing to do. Don't get me wrong. Um, but also, it, it's the right thing to do from the bottom line. You know, I think that that's an area that to some, some, some extent, um, you know, I think that the, the moral stance, right, trying to take a moral stance around diversity, and inclusion, um, it, it's a tough it's a tougher battle. Um, the battle that's more effective to me is is take the purely capitalistic stance of, hey, guess what? It, it leads to better outcomes, right? Everybody wins. Um, you know, you're able to, to attract people with different viewpoints, different life experiences. You're able to attract people who can connect with a different customer base in a way that maybe someone else can. Um, and that's really an area where for us, um, our approach is very much on the ground recruiting for our students. You know, we have to recruit every single student that comes to um, our program. And so... You know, we have um, basically what we call ambassadors to every different multicultural um, organization here on our campus. Um, you know, we're we're connecting with our LGBT center. We're connecting with you know all of the the other um, the, uh, multicultural fraternities that we have, um, as well as some of the other like student unions. And so, really, what our approach is is to get you know in front of people and and just share, hey. You know, sales isn't just used cars and insurance and snake oil. <laughs> um, there's a heck of a lot more behind it. And that's really what, what we really try to focus in on. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. And I, I agree with your approach of uh using the,
1: the capitalistic type of uh persuasive model. And I know there are going to be some people saying, ugh, that sounds <laughs> icky. I don't like that. We yeah. should just do it because it's the right thing to do. Well. We're not trying to convince you. <laughs> because yep. you you've already been convinced. That's, yep. that's not an issue. But a lot yeah. of people, it really just simply comes down to, I'm trying to run a business. I need to yeah. meet my numbers. Does this help me meet my numbers? Oh, Greg, it does. Tell me yeah. more. And now they realize, yes, now I'm an advocate for diversity because it lines my pockets. It might not yeah. be like the, the the best, like it might not feel like the best yeah. way of persuading. But when I think about it for me as a lawyer, my, my, yeah. my clients pay me to get the job job done. Right. And and when <laughs> yep. you think about when our, our goal as advocates and allies and everything, we want people to really um, adopt these methodologies because, yes, it's the right thing to do. But also we realize there's a path to persuasion that's tied to profit, too. And yep. when you look at the research as well, they like if you do these programs the right way, you are really supercharging the work that you're doing because yeah. different people can connect in different ways, the, the more different viewpoints that we can adopt, the the fewer blind spots we have, which will increase our ability to make better deals, make more sales, those type of things. So I really appreciate you sharing that.
2: Yeah. No, I I couldn't agree more. Um, I absolutely couldn't agree more.
1: Yeah. So this is great. So when you think about the the next steps for the program and the fact that you're constantly trying to improve and doing a great Mm -hmm. job of it, what do you think the next iteration of the program (laughs) in sales looks like?
2: Yeah, you know, um, it's a great question and, and something that I, I honestly, it, it excites me to wake up every day in the, every day because, um, you, you know, I, I see a lot of opportunity all over. You know, I think, honestly, the interesting thing about COVID in particular, um, it really challenged us to think about, you know, hey, how do, how can we deliver education, um, you know, very quickly into our full switch to virtual that was, what, that was like fall of 2020. Um, You know, we basically completely converted one of our conference rooms into basically a multi-camera studio. Um, And that's how we taught our virtual classes was with, you know, the kind of nice cameras, sound equipment. Um, We had lower thirds, we had graphics all over the screen. We, We did a lot to really try to challenge how do you teach even online and virtually. Um, you know, and the interesting thing is now that we're back in person, you know, some of those tools we've actually now brought into the classroom um in a way that we never thought we really would have. Um, you know, I, I think on on the um on the other side of that. You know, we're still looking at, you know, hey, we learned this competency of of virtual education. We learned the competency of how do you um, engage students virtually. And so we're actually starting to look at how do you bring some of those pieces back into um, what was a traditional residential in-person experience here at Ohio University. Um, I think one of the big areas for us is um, we're continuing to scale. Um, Our our College of Business has hit back-to-back years of record enrollment. Um, in part, I think honestly, because students see the value. Um, you know, I'll take a little bit of credit in the sense that um, the sales program took over our recruiting process for for the last two years or so. Um and so we basically literally put in a sales process for recruitment. Um, but really, moreover, the interesting part about it is that, you know we because of we have because we have back to back years of of record enrollment, we really have an opportunity here to teach more students than ever before. Um, and that's that's an area that, um every single, I'd say, day now, we're we're challenging ourselves as to how do we reach the broadest audience? How do we provide the most value to every single student um, on our campus?
1: I love this. Greg, this is fantastic. And so, for the listeners who want to connect with you, learn more, maybe join the program, what's yeah. the best way for them to make that happen?
2: Absolutely. So, I'm on uh, LinkedIn is probably our, our absolute best way. Um, if you search the Ralph and Lindsay Shea Sales Center or my name, Greg Scott, um, we are pretty active posters, I would say, in terms of uh, getting content up there. Um, our other handles are at Sales, So Shea is um, S-C-H-E-Y uh, and then sales. Um, that's on Instagram, uh, TikTok. Uh, you could actually see me um, doing a, a series called Resume Rips that I, I, I do to um, try to help our, our undergrad students perform and, and get better resumes. Um, that, that's a fun one for us. Um, and then we are also, uh, obviously, if you search high University um, Sales Center, um, we'll come up there as well. Oh, Greg, I was
1: disappointed. I thought you were going to do some sales-related dancing on TikTok. That's what I was looking
2: uh, for, man. <laughs> not yet. I'm, I'm not there yet, although I think every, every semester the students want me to. So we're, we're getting closer and closer to it.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, listen, Greg, really appreciate it, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Kwame.